Have you ever wanted to kill some kids? David Lombarsker has. Wrote about beating them to death, sucking their blood, and generally taking children out like a cartel kingpin takes out his favorite sister's boy after a load of cocaine goes missing. This is the warning to this week's episode of the Band Library Podcast about the book Attack of the Vampire Weenies. This episode might include Vampires Weenies Attacking Vampire Weenies Insufferable Children Violence Violence Against Insufferable Children Schadenfreude Having Few Happy Endings Fucking Bart versus the World And this episode may include Some Strong Language Welcome to the Band Library Podcast Welcome back, my name is S.T. Harker, librarian, writer, wannabe vampire hunter killer. You can follow me on Twitter at BanWriter. You can follow the library at BanLibrary on Twitter. Also Instagram, Facebook, and the vampire message board, Bloodless Carnage. But I don't pay attention to most of those. Mostly just Twitter. If you'd like to help support the band library, go to our Patreon over on patreon.com slash bandlibrary. There's a link in the post and on the website. For a dollar a month, just $12 a year, you can be a member of the Friends of the Band Library and get access to damn near everything we've ever posted, going back at least 20 dozen years. We just did a whole episode on the TV show Hannibal, where we also served up a delightful recipe for human flesh, or we just, you know, talked about it a little bit. Go over on Patreon, listen to that. But today, we're not talking about Hannibal and Wonderful Human Flesh. We're talking about Attack of the Vampire Weenies. It's a short story collection in which the author decides he's going to do his best Crypt Keeper impression, but not, you know, with the sound and that laughter and the puns, but by killing insufferable children and just generally kicking ass at these tiny short stories, most are like a page or two. Now, who is this? Devious author, David Lubar. I guess that's the best way I can think. Well, he was born uh, March 16th, 1954 in Morristown, New Jersey. Mom worked at the library, spent a lot of time in it. He got a degree in philosophy from Rutgers, later married in 1977. While finding it hard to make a living writing, he took a job for the magazine Creative Computing. He, after that, began designing and translating video games for Atari, Game Boy, uh, the Apple II, and the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, the OG. Of all the games that are listed, uh, the only one I can really say, yes, I definitely played this one and remember it f- fondly as a word, but The Simpsons' Bart vs. the World. I remember renting this from Alfalfa Video in a little town in Mississippi. 
thinking I was going to get the ultimate Simpsons experience. Little town was a little backward. We'd just gotten Fox recently, like early 90s, whenever this was. The Simpsons was all the rage, you know, Don't Need a Cow Man, Bart Man was on CD in those big, big boxes for some reason they decided to sell CDs in, or the case took up maybe, maybe a quarter of the entire box. The big red box with Bartman written on it. But I played. I spent my hard on money on Bart versus the world. And to this day, I can't tell you what happened in that game. It's just, it's really difficult to get your head around what's going on. I've even tried to watch Let's Plays on YouTube and other Daily Motion, whatever else, Twitch. And I honestly can't fathom how you play that game or even try to win it. Back to our author, David Lubar. I'm going to just keep saying his name different ways to annoy at least him if he's listening. How you doing, Dave? Mr. Lubar. Mr. Lubar. Uh, in 1994, he decided to try writing books again. Uh, by 1999, he was published as a book author and has written dozens of books. Um... I think the Weenies series that we're reading a part of is, is part of like five books, something in there. Again, I only do half-ass research here. He does have a daughter, and she is currently a teacher. I believe English. So good for him. He's lived a good life, and he's still kicking it. Somewhere out in the ether. Hope he's okay. Hope he's doing well. Now, why are we talking about this book? We ask that question every episode, as if it's... Some type of surprise I'm going to spring on you. This book was banned or censored in some way, shape, or form. 2016, the entire Weenie book series was challenged by a teacher in Lower, Lower Nazareth Township, Kansas. Which is shocking me, a place called Lower Nazareth Township. With that degree of curiosity and creativity that they have already displayed in their naming, they would... Challenge this book by a teacher, no less, for, quote, sexual chapter headings, anti-Christian themes, and having no happy endings, unquote. I read this book and didn't see any sexual chapter headings in this one. Maybe there's a Valentine's Day episode. I don't know. Anti-Christian themes, that didn't really come up in here outside of, you know, murdering small children. But hey. Sometimes the little bastards get what's coming to them, you know? And having no happy endings, well, it's horror. And actually, there are some happy endings in this book. I'm not going to talk about them because I figure they're the more boring ones in the book. I'm going to go towards the darker shit because that's what kind of appealed to me in this book. Like, oh, he's actually going for it. He's, this author is willing to kill small children. <laughs> I don't know why that's exciting or if it should be, but it's entertaining anything. Kind of like that new Scary Stories movie. I really dug it. I, I, although there's not a lot of death in it. There's at least one or two, though. I don't know. There's something about we became very prudish in the last, I'd say about 30 years, started in the 90s-ish, that we weren't going to use our horror to kill or maim. PG-13 kind of took the teeth out of a lot of those old 80s just good old slasher movies and, you know, sometimes everybody doesn't make it out. You know, there's not a really good 
I mean, they are really good. Go on Shudder. It's a really good streaming service if you like your horror. But it seems like mainstream, like just regular old kids. I mean, all those Stranger Things kids made it out okay, mostly. There's that one that's a little messed up in the head, but he spent a lot of time in some evil. I guess some kids do get killed on that show, but I mean, proper kill. I want to see a bastard who deserves to die, a whiny little shit, who just gets taken out by Killer Tomato. You know? So I kind of dug this book. And because of this is a series of short stories, we're only really going to, yeah, I'm going to go with the more violent, more just kind of awesome stories that I just did not see coming. First one we're going to talk about, I'm just going to call it Mime Vampire because I didn't write down any of the titles. I highly suggest you get this book and read through it, even if you just like thumb through it. Uh, the stories are maybe, I think most, five, six pages, but the majority are maybe three. Four pages tops. You can burn through this book pretty fast. And I highly recommend you do. It's I've read through a couple of these a couple times just because they, they really kind of stood out to me. And I'm going to spoil the shit out of most of them here. So go pick it up if you feel like it. I'm already going to go recommend it. First one we're going to talk about is a little kid. He's a little little bastard. They're in the middle of town somewhere, him and his friend. And he sees this mime and he says, I'm going to fuck with that mime. And his friend's like, whatever, dude, I'm going to go play arcade or whatever. So he goes over and the mime's like, you know, stuck in a box. So the kid decides to be stuck in the box. And after a while of doing perfect mimicry of this mime, if you want to know where that word came from, like people are really starting to enjoy the shit out of this show and the mime's getting more pissed off. So he keeps moving away and the kid just follows him like a little asshole. Just keeps following him all around town. It's like, I hate mime. I'm just going to chase this bastard out by mimicking him. I don't know, it just seemed weird. They finally get into like an empty street and people have gone off. The sun's going down and the mime is like, all right, kid, you won. It's the first time he speaks and they told a story. He starts wiping the shit off his face and he's like, ha ha, you're going to leave town now, huh? Little bastard kid says. And the mime's like, no, I'm just gonna, just gonna get something to eat, and I take off. Ah, you don't know how hard it is to have the sunscreen on all day. And the kid's like, sunscreen, because he's wiping that white face paint off. And he's like, yeah, and have to keep your mouth shut because the sun can get in there, and that hurts. And the kid's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And the mime grabs him, and he's got fucking vampire teeth, and he, you know, he's just like, I'd do it to fuck with little kids and get my food on, and he fucking just starts killing this kid like eats him like sucks his blood whatever you want to say and that's the end of the story dickhead decides to fuck with a monster it's the whole mugging the monster trope where you see like a bunch of guys are like hey give me the money and you know, oh shit the girl they were after that led them into the thing is a vampire slayer slash werewolf or whatever and then you know it's fucking awesome the fact that you turn this on a little kid who probably doesn't know any better, but I guess that's how evolution works. Kill out the stupid ones. Next story I'm going to talk about. Family goes to a amusement park. And this one kid, he's just got his sights on this roller coaster. He loves roller coasters. Loves them, one could say, to death. And he keeps whining. He wants to go on this roller coaster, but they're like, no, we're going to get cotton candy. No. We're going to go on It's a Small World. No, we're going to do all these other dozens of different things. 
And he never gets to get on his roller coaster, god damn it. And then as he's wandering around, not getting it, finally it starts raining. There's lightning and they shut down the rise. He's like, motherfucker. There's been like months he's been waiting on this trip and he's not going to get to ride his roller coaster. And then he sees like a kid drops a ticket for the roller coaster he wants to go on. And it says at mid one. He's like, hell yeah, midnight ride. So he goes back home or to his hotel and he beds down for the night. And then when everybody's asleep, he gets out, takes the ticket, goes down. There's nobody around in the amusement park, but he gets in there anyway. Goes into the roller coaster he wants to go to, and it says mid one with ticket, and he's got his ticket, and he holds it up. And he sits down. He's the only one there. The roller coaster starts. And then without all the extra weight, there's a little bit more shaking, a little jostling, no more bodies in the cars, and he's being tossed around, and it's like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. And he gets... Goes through, and it, as he's going through, because there's so much jostling, he loses the ticket. Ah, oh, fuck it. He comes back around, and he's at the end point. He's like, hell yeah, I kind of want to go again. And then he just starts sliding through again. And again, it's another, like, really hardcore, without all that extra weight. He's just bouncing around, holding on to the safety bar as much as he can, but... You know, his arms are getting a little tired now because there's a lot of twists and turns and loop-de-loops in this roller coaster. And he goes to end it again, and holy shit, it keeps going again. He's like, ah, God damn it. And again, it beats the shit out of him. His arms are just getting really tired because he can't hold himself. He can't brace himself enough. He's starting to get bruised a little bit, and as he's going through again, he's wondering if he can jump out, but the safety bar is holding him in, and he looks up, and he says, must I... To exit must have ticket. And it sends him through again. And again, and basically the whole story here is this little bastard's gonna get beat to shit on this roller coaster and die. Because he can't get off. It's just some really weird hubris. I don't know how this universe works to allow this ride to exist, but I'm for it. Next story. Bird get, a guy gets a remarkable ability, this kid. To turn into a bird. I think he has to say something. Or say the word. Or sneeze. Or whatever the fuck his cartoon ability is. Then he turns into a different bird every time. It's usually for a couple of minutes. And then he turns back into a boy. He can sort of do this at will. He can just keep doing it. Over and over again. And he doesn't want to tell anybody. Because you know. What if they take him in? What if they. You know. Slice him open. And study his guts. He meets this girl across the street. And he's like. Hey, you know, you're cute, I'm cute, let's go in the backyard and we'll show you something. Which is creepy in its own right, but she's like, okay, yeah, let's do this. They're both probably prepubescent, let's not make this awkward and weird. So they're sitting there and they're talking about, you know, like, hey, I got this ability, I can turn into a bird whenever X happens. I forget what happens in the story, he can turn into a bird. She's like, cool, show me, and he like turns into an eagle, and he turns into a and she just wants him, come on, just keep showing me more and more birds. And he's like, okay, here's a fucking hawk. Here's a, he can't choose which one he's turning into, but, you know, here's a chicken. Here's a, you know, here's a rooster. Here's a, you know, kung fu rabbit chaser. I don't know, fucking birds. 
Then he turns in all of them until finally he turns into one that's like this little squat kind of flightless creature. And she's like, oh, she describes it. She just all about his bird form. She knows all the stuff about him. And he's like, this girl gets me. This is my life partner. And he turns into that little squat flightless bird. And he's like, oh, this is the cutest one yet. Can't fly, can't run fast, has no natural, you know, detectors, no poison, no claws or teeth. And he's like, yeah, I mean, he's a bird, but he's like, yeah, it's cool. And then she turns into a cat and eats his ass. <laughs> Dangers of dating, folks, I guess is your takeaway from this story. I just kind of like the darkness of it that she was just egging him on. Like, oh, yeah, I know all about this. So if you can do something really super weird and somebody knows about it, kind of be wary of that person. Our next one is a takeoff on the Rapunzel. I do remember this one, Wrapped Punzel or some shit. Uh, and one thing I do like about this book of short stories that I like in most book of short stories, at the very end, he tells where the, where the ideas came from. Apparently on this one, he just, and he's mostly, it's like, he has a what if file, you know, what if a roller coaster killed a boy? What if, you know, bird, cat, girl, whatever. <laughs> but in this one, he's like, what if well, he came up with the title first? Wrapped Punzel. He started thinking, why is she wrapped? What's going on? And we get into the story of Rapunzel. Girl is taken from her parents. I think it's, you know, storytelling bullshit. Put up in a big tower. We're a witch. Except in this one, she's a little different. She's got, you know, a television there. And she's just been watching TV her whole life. Every once in a while, the witch or whatever person comes up and watches TV with her, but she doesn't leave the tower. And her hair grows super long, and all of a sudden, this knight comes up one day, and he's like, "Yeah, I heard there's this girl in the tower. Come on down. She's like, nah, my show's on. He's like, all right, well, what if I come up there and watch it with you? And he, she's like, yeah, whatever. But there's no way to get up there. So he's like, hey, uh, how about you let down all that hair, and I'll climb up. And she's like, Cool. Whatever, you know, as long as I don't miss my show. So she dumps her hair out, but she's been sitting there for so long and she's so weak that when all of her hair, like, you know, hundreds of pounds of it just fall out the window, it snaps her head to the side and she breaks her neck and dies. And that's how the story ends. I guess this is a, hey man, get out there and do stuff. Don't just sit in front of the TV kind of story. But Jesus, just breaking her neck with her own hair. It's kind of hardcore. I, I just dig it. You know, your own sloth will kill you one day. There's one I don't remember a whole lot. There's this girl. She's a kind of an asshole. Uh, she hears this voice out of a well saying like, Hey, you know, you know, there's magical treasure down here. Come and help me out. Come play with me. Whatever. So the girl gets a, like, rope. She's like, yeah, use that rope. The voice says, yeah, use that rope over there and tie it to this limb. And she does it and she goes down. She sees like a glint of something down there. And she's like, hell yeah, I'm going to get some treasure. And she goes down in the well. And the rope breaks and the branch breaks and all of it breaks. And she falls down all the way into the well into a puddle that has actually just been reflecting the sun or the moon or whatever the fuck you want to see. Breaks her neck and she's dead. She wakes up and sees another girl down there. And she's like, oh, hell yeah, we can get out of here. She's like, no, you're dead. And I'm dead too. And I just wanted a friend. So let's hang out. 
So it's just like mean girl meets mean girl and we get shit done. Except we're not getting anything done because they're both dead. There's this one kid. He's really obsessed with music, right? He loves listening to music all around his school. He's got these cool earbuds that, you know, crystal clear reception and all that. But he sees this other kid who also has some earbuds. But every one, five minutes or so, he takes them out. And then he, he pauses and then he puts them back in. And he's like, he goes over and like, what's up with your earbuds? Are they they're really good? And the guy says, yeah, they're the best earbuds ever. He says, yeah, I'm not talking about them though. So while they're in gym one day, this asshole kid who loves music goes over and steals the kid's earbuds and runs around to the other side of the gym where he's all alone. And he sits there and he puts the earbuds in. And he, it's, the music is amazing. Like he, he's listening to all his favorite music and it's just the best sound he's ever heard. It's like he's in the arena listening to you know, all the best music he's ever wanted to hear live. He's hearing it. It's right there. And then all of a sudden there's some pain. And God, it, it hurts. And he tries to pull him out, and he can't pull him out. And I don't remember exactly how, because none of it really makes sense, but the original kid comes up, and he's like, oh, yeah, you stole my earbuds, huh? Now, here's the problem with my earbuds. I have to take them out every five minutes, because read the warning on the back. Maybe that's what he does. He points to the warning on the back. Basically, it says that these earbuds are alive, that every five minutes or so you got to take them out. They start to grow together. So basically this kid has fucking just earbuds growing, tunneling through his head until he dies. Or really fucking hurts a lot and he's deaf forever. Just has these earbuds stuck in. I don't know why that would ever be a thing, but it's a horrific image. Gotta give him that. Our next kid is in a playground and he's playing. I don't know if you've ever played like the game of tag, but with cooties. So like... Hey, I've got cooties. You tag somebody and says, you've got the cooties now. Well, they're playing this game. And the kid raises the question, who's the last person that always has cooties? And his friend says, I don't give a fuck. And he tags him and says, you've got cooties now. And he runs off. So the kid decides to figure out, who's the last person that always has cooties? There's got to be, you know, is it random? Is it just a thing? We just kind of give up? When the school bell rings and recess is over, do we just go back in and like, person just has cooties that's weird it's a probability question like who usually who's the slowest that's what you would sort of think who's the craftiest who can like sneak up behind somebody and say hey you've got cooties oh, and run away just can't touch back no take backsies so he decides to watch he's watching it all and this is all happening he does it over days it takes because something always distracts him at the end or he just doesn't see a handoff somewhere you know, the kitty's like watching, oh, you've got, you know, Jim's got cooties now. He just gave them to Jamie. Jamie's got, gave them to Jenny. Jenny just gave them to, ah, fuck. Why is Jenny just standing there? Does Jenny not have cooties? And he'd walk over to Jenny and be like, hey, do you still have cooties? And she's like, no, I gave them to Marianne. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck, that was like 10 minutes ago. Marianne could have given them to anybody at this point. I don't know if this is a sexually transmitted disease metaphor or what, but... It is what it is. Maybe it's just some goofy kid shit. As we all are. So he waits and decides, hey, I'll just see who gets cooties. And finally, one day, bell rings. There's this one kid he doesn't recognize that has the cooties. And he's 
the kid just kind of walks off into the woods next to the playground. And our main kid is like, fuck, where is this kid going? And he follows the kid through the woods. Knows he's going to get in trouble when he goes back, but has to know where this kid is going that has the cooties. And he follows him to this little shack in the woods. And he goes up and he knocks on the door. And he's like, who the fuck are you? And this kid's like, I am the one who takes the cooties. And like, starts, I don't remember if he like vomits blood, but it's, or some like dark blackness of just disease and filth just overcomes him like, like some kind of pig pen on steroids. Everything just goes fucking Lovecrafty and dark magic. It's like, I am the one who kins the cooties. The cooties come with me. And he kind of folds in. The kid's okay. This is the one where the kid actually makes it out okay. He goes back to school. Of course, he's in trouble for skipping class. For not coming in when recess was over. But still, fucking dark and weird is where that one goes. It's like there's one kid that always captured all the cooties to be safe for the rest of us. Kind of like that. And our last story that I'm going to talk about. And again, there's like twice this many in the book. Check him out. Read him. He's fun. There's this really smart kid who's coming up with cures for everything. He can, you know, he can cure blindness and blah, blah, blah. He can, he, whatever he, problem he puts his mind to, he fixes. And he finally deduces that there's, there's vampires out there. There have to be. You know, population of the world. There's a certain amount of, that people disappear. Uh, blood banks can't hold this many based on population and sickness, blah, blah, blah. He says vampires must exist. So he starts working on a cure. And he randomly finds himself a cure because that's what smart people do, I guess. Kids. They come up with the shit. So he goes off and he tries to find himself a vampire and he finally finds one. He's like, hell yeah. And he coats the cure all over his neck and he's like, hey, Mr. Vampire, what are you up to? The vampire's like, eating you, bitch. And he fucking grabs him and he starts to suck on his neck. But uh, the vampire, like, a horrific pain and he falls over and he's like, Oh my god. And the vampire gets back up and he's like, I'm a regular person now. I'm cured. And this Mark is like, hell yeah, that was my special vampire cure. Now we're going to cure all the vampires. And he's like, hell yeah, I got a bunch of friends downstairs. Let me go tell them about this. We'll all be, you know, normal people again. This will all be cool. And the kid, smart kid's like, hell yeah, I got a bunch of doses, a lot of immunization here. We can do this. So the guy goes downstairs and he comes back up and he's like, come on down. They want to meet you. This is suspicious as fuck, but here we are. And he, just in case, he, you know, wipes more of the thing. He's a smart kid. He wipes more of the antidote on his, on his neck, and he goes down there. And there's like you know, there's a couple of vampires down there, more. They're like, does it work? And they're like, hell yeah, it does. And they, they go, okay, grab him. So they grab the smart kid, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm, I was here to cure you. And they're like, yeah, whatever, bitch. And they wipe his neck off of the, you know, cure, and they bite him, and they. He, uh, he goes through some torment and whatever, and he wakes up, and he's a vampire. And he's like, holy shit. Why did you turn me into a vampire? At least I have a cure. I can do it now. And they're like, whatever. They chain him to the wall, and they cure him. They use this cure on him, turn him back into a normal vampire, or a normal human, and they bite him again. And they keep doing it to themselves, too. And it's just pain after pain. And he's like, why are you doing this? You could be cured. And he's like... You just gave us an everlasting food source. Which, 
I don't know if that's 100% how that works. But again, vampires aren't real. And this is just a really dark story of a really smart kid who's hubris enough to... I don't, There might be some really bad implications in this story, actually, if you really think about it. Hey, don't help sick people, or they'll just take advantage of you. Ooh, that's kind of a dark... That's a darker twist than, you know, no happy endings. Honestly, there's a couple of those. Like, I mean, this kid's hubris, I guess, is his big sin, but overall, I mean, he's probably pretty insufferable, but we don't see that. It's only a couple pages. There is one more story that I am going to talk about, and it is the vampire weenies. So there's this kid, and actually, this kid's pretty cool. I kind of dig him. He's not an overwrite asshole that I remember. His sister's huge in the twilight, and they're going to have a big vampire party, but he's like, well, we can't have vampires. And I swear this is the last story I'll tell. So he says, you know, we can't have vampires in the house. She's like, fuck yeah, we, get, we found the guy. We're going to do this. You know, vampire party, Friday night. So the kid sets up. He sets up all these mirrors. He sets up holy water all around the living room. He sets up stakes and crosses behind, like, mirrors and shit, or behind, like, paintings and tapestries. You know, he, he vampire-proofs the house, basically. And he's like, okay, they can't come in unless we invite him. And right, just as he says that, he hears, come on in. And there's just this handsome hell dude. He was like very Lestat, and he's like, "Oh, I am, I am the vampire Jeff, or whatever the fuck his name is." And all the girls are like, "Ooh!" And all the vampire boys are, you know, the wannabes are all like, "Woo!" Everybody's like, "Woo!" This guy's so handsome and so pretty. He's got to be a vampire. He's got to be cool. He walks in, no problem. He's been invited, of course. He's like, "I am the vampire," and the the kids like, "Oh yeah, whatever." Uh, here's a cross. He's like, I am Catholic or whatever. You know, he's like, none of the vampire shit works on him. He drinks holy water. They, they look at him in the mirror, all the shit. He's like, yeah, it's just me, man. It's all cool. Let me see all these crosses you got. These are cool. And he guys them all up. And like, you got anything else? Holy water? Hell yeah. And he pours that down. This is suspicious as fuck. Covers up all the mirrors. He, you know, does everything. And like, what, what, what you doing there? Vampire Jeff. He's like, oh, I'm not a vampire. Yeah, all my friends are, though. Come on in, fellas. And apparently, once you are invited in, you can invite others. And all these vampires just rush into the house. And they're really like stinky, you know, corpse-ridden whatevers. And they're like, good job, Jeff. He's like, they're familiar, they're Renfield. And then they eat all the kids. (laughs) And the vampire weenies here are... All the kids, the ones that want to be vampires or whatever. I just love the idea. I would just, yeah, that, thanks. Thanks, Renfield. You did a good job, you know, taking all the holy water and pr- proving that vampires are cool so we can just break in and eat all these fuckers. And Jeff's like, yeah, thanks. No problem. That's all the stories I'm going to talk about today. Um, there's some solid scares, some lessons with consequences. Like I said, some mixed messages, I guess, especially like the. If you try to help somebody and they're dangerous, they'll eat you. Of course, that's also the scorpion and the frog and all those other, you know, Aesop's fables. <laughs> My favorite's the rattlesnake. Lady brings in a rattlesnake. It's frozen solid. She warms it up by the fire. It bites her. And she says, "Why? Well, I, I saved your life. And she, <laughs> rattlesnake says, bitch, you knew I was a snake. This is, this is the way that life works. Sometimes dangerous things bite back. 
be careful. Anyway, yeah, overall, I just dug the simple style of it, uh, the fun ideas. It's just kind of throw everything at the wall horror, and I, I dig that. It's really fun. Uh, definitely give this shit to your kids. Uh, if they're, you know, tween or above, I think they can handle it, probably younger. Uh, and talk about other scary stories you liked. Uh, yeah, what? Tell me, what book scared the hell out of you growing up? Um, are there any good recommendations for spooky tales you can tell around a campfire? Uh, email con- contact at band library, tweet us at band library. I really want to know, uh, cause scary stories were always my bread and butter. I always dug the hell out of, you know, reading a scary stories book. And actually there's one that I threw away tales from the midnight hour or something like that. But yeah, tell me yours. I want to know your scary stories. And definitely uh, subscribe to the podcast, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you follow things. Follow us on Twitter. Again, tell us tell us your scary story book or your favorite scary story in general. Mine's Taylor Poe. If you can find it, go for it. Uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash band library. Uh, try to talk more over there about all things band and library and whatever else y'all want to talk about. And that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.